Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of Kavam. It's episode 21 today where we um, are a Doctor Who podcast, of course, where we talk about all things Doctor Who, Blu-rays and DVDs. And we're certainly getting stuck into that today with our topic focusing on the new Who releases of, of Doctor Who. Of course, a lot of this podcast, we've covered various of you know, the classic series box sets, which are absolutely crammed full of special features. And, you know, we rave about them all these, these you know, seasons from 40 years ago that's full of extra stuff. Yeah, the current series, Doc 2 Flux, was released just a week or two ago with about seven or eight short sort of videos that were sort of making of types of things, but all of it was released on YouTube already. There was nothing new on it, nothing fresh that you couldn't just go and see on YouTube, just the six episodes. I think there was two commentaries and nothing else. So we're going to discuss the the decline in quality of the DVDs and Blu-rays from Series 1, where there was actually quite a lot of content through to now. And what we would like to see them do in the future with these releases, particularly thinking about if they become part of the collection range in the future or anything like that. I've got my three um, trusty friends to join me to discuss this. Firstly, Bill, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. And Charlie, you looking forward to getting stuck into some new Who um, Doctor Who discussion this time around? Yes, uh, it should be interesting considering lots of the things we've had to say are very positive, but maybe not so much today. Yes, Ryan, I'm sensing, you know, sure, some of our Doctor Who Flux podcasts maybe weren't the most positive, but I feel like in general we've been a fairly positive podcast. Do we think we're going to be throwing that out the window today in this one? Perhaps, yeah. The declining quality in terms of um, these modern Doctor Who releases, I think it's certainly headed in that direction today, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's we're not here to slate Doctor Who. We all love it. We all love the DVDs and Blu-rays, and that's why we're here. That's why we do a podcast about it. But also, it's okay, I think, sometimes to go, there's some things that aren't all that great. Um, and so that's what we're going to focus on today. So um, as I said, we're going to concentrate to start off with on where things have kind of what, where and why things might have gone wrong a little bit with um, Doc 2 DVD and Blu-ray releases. Of course, the show came back in 2005, nearly 17 years ago now. I can't quite believe it. It's, next month is 17 years. That's absolutely bonkers. And of course, right from the start, they've been releasing Doc 2 on uh, DVD in 2005. And I think from 2009, 10, something like that. So around the specials when they started doing the Blu-rays, I think. Um, somewhere that was certainly when they started making Doctor Who in HD was um, uh, Planet of the Dead was the first ever HD episode of Doctor Who so I think around then was when the Blu-rays came into being but yeah it, it just we've seen this kind of decline gradually over time you know the RTD era was in many ways very well um, there was a lot of content that came alongside it I mean you look back at the sort of features list for say series one and you know you had episode commentaries for every single episode with you know Russell and Phil Collinson you even got well sure Chris Rexton didn't do any but Billy Piper was on some of them Stephen Moffat and the likes you know there was a lot of different people involved in just the commentaries before you think about anything else and then there were on every single disc there's many different features about you know producing each episode of the show 20 minute feature with Mark Gatiss discussing writing The Unquiet Dead you've got the original BBC Breakfast interview with Chris Reckleston from 2005 lots of um, on set with Billy Piper so you know 20 minutes of, of Billy Piper doing stuff on set which is always quite interesting as well I think of course this was also back in the day when Doctor Who Confidential was a thing as well which um, brought us albeit the cut down versions of Doctor Who Confidential um, due to the music rights and stuff but we did still get you know two and a half three hours of extra content just through Doctor Who Confidential editions on the, the TVs and Blu-rays and yet you look to, to Doctor Who Flux and there's barely anything there so I don't know Charlie do you think there's any obvious reason as to, to why this has happened? Why seemingly 15 years ago, you know, all the focus was on let's get as much content on these DVDs as possible. Now it seems like let's release it as cheaply and with as little effort almost with stuff as possible. Let's put it on YouTube and then let's just sling it on a disc. What do you think? 
Um, I did have a couple of ideas, one of which is that I feel, especially in the you know recent three, four years, although maybe not everyone thinks it's gotten worse, you know, it, it has fallen out of the public consciousness somewhat, like since what series five, series six, it has mm-hmm. been viewed less. The ratings have been lower somewhat, even though, you know, lots of us do disagree, but it has, you know, the marketing especially, I don't think has been brilliant. So maybe they think, well, not as many people might buy them. So let's not do as many. And as well, I feel there's a trend with now, um, obviously we've got the age of streaming and everything. So, you know, I feel the concept of physical media has been dying down somewhat when it was very much prevalent in, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s, when, you know, most things that was the norm, but now we've got, you know, um, you know, streaming like, you know, we've got big like Netflix and Disney Plus and things, you don't really get special features on there. So I think that's probably another reason as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, I think you're, you're right in saying that it could be, you know, in some way related to the, I don't want to say the decline of the show, but just the, the differing popularity of the show and also the format. Um, I think, I think it, you know, it's, it's sort of, maybe Doctor Who, almost the team don't know quite what audience to kind of target these Blu-rays and DVDs at nowadays, because you look at obviously the collection range and, you know, sure, it's we're doing massive Blu-ray box sets of stuff from 40 years ago. You'd think that they're a bit mad putting a lot of money and investment into this, but actually it's got a very dedicated market who are going to buy all of them essentially and will, you know, de- dedicate the money to it. Whereas it feels like with these current releases, because Doctor is so easily accessible on streaming services where you know it just simply wasn't 10 15 years ago maybe that has also just sort of reduced the necessity to put much effort into these releases and go you know whether we put a lot of effort into them or not there's not gonna get that many sales just because the show is so easily available for you to watch on iplayer or on netflix spreading around the world or or anything like that i don't know ryan do you have any any ideas any theories as to where things have have gone a bit wrong i think it's Probably due to the fact that, as Charlie mentioned about the fact that it, we're now in the age of streaming nowadays, that it just kind of feels like there isn't that much ever put into these modern releases anymore. Or maybe it's because of the fact that maybe it's a different team doing them. I mean, it's it's quite difficult to say. I mean, you look at the original RTD sets from series one to four, as you mentioned, there were commentaries for each and every episode, but... Ever since the the final tenth Doctor specials onwards, I mean, well, it's only been like a a handful of episodes that I've had commentaries, but not all of them. And and now we got to the point where in the Jodie Whittaker era, there's hardly any commentaries. There's only like one or two for each series, or maybe there's maybe one more. But I noticed that with yeah. this recent series, there's only been one commentary, and that's for War of the Sontarans, and that's it. And it's just yeah. like. There, there needs to be, and as you mentioned, a lot of this stuff is on YouTube now. And even watching this stuff on YouTube, it's not really that substantial as it yeah. used to be. So it's, I just feel like maybe it's because of the collection range. They thought, well, maybe we'll save all of this for years' time. We'll just not put efforts now. We'll do it later. But I just don't think that's good enough. Yeah, it's it does feel increasingly difficult to justify the price tags on some of these um, releases. You know, when they're asking you to spend, say, 30 quid on a release that's got six episodes and a few YouTube clips on it, that that 
feels like it's, you know, I guess people buy it, otherwise they wouldn't make them. But, you know, it's a far cry from the days of, as we say, commentaries on every episode, making of features. You know, the uh, some of my favorite features are like David Tennant's video diaries and stuff like that. You know, they're fairly low budget features, but, you know, they're so kind of entertaining, really, and really gave, gave you an insight into what it was like to actually be messing around on set with, you know, John Barrowman or Billy Piper or whoever. And they, they were just really fun. And I feel like that's just really lacking from the sort of releases that we get now. I sort of feel it's it's it would be difficult for you know them to do a collection style box set for Doctor Who Flux now, because you know what what almost what the old classic series releases thrive on is the the ability to basically be able to talk candidly about the, the show because it's so far removed in terms of time. You know we're not going to be able to get Chris Chibnall to come out and say yeah okay that episode was a bit trash on the series he's just made that's never going to happen. So it's sort of it's. We kind of compare, maybe we shouldn't compare it as much against the classic series releases because it's just simply, you know, creating a different function and it just isn't able to kind of be critical of itself almost as a, as a release. It isn't able to, to acknowledge the things that are wrong with it because it's almost a, an extension of the marketing for the show around around the time because it's coming out so close to the series. I don't know, Bill, what are your, what sort of perception have you got on on, on this decline? Do you, do you think it's it's a significant thing? Do you, do you see any a better way they could be doing it right now? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the main kind of problem I think they've got nowadays is they don't have something like Doctor Confidential yeah. or even something like, um, I think it was called Doctor Extra for mm-hmm. Peter Capaldi's era. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think if they had something like that, something that something more behind the scenes and more in-depth look at how the show is made mm-hmm. and like like you say, like a day on set and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that would help to kind of, to justify these quite, like you say, the prices on these DVDs seems to be going up and up all the time. <laughs> yeah. But the actual, if you get down to the actual content of them, mm-hmm. it seems to be going the opposite. It keeps going down and down. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think I think that's the main thing. I think they need something like Doctor Confidential to be there, so then um, you can get more in depth look at each episode and everything. And I, then, I mean, hopefully with Rusty Davis coming back, we might potentially get that again, and we might get um, more commentaries for each episode, or at least for mm-hmm. most of them, or something. Um, but yeah, I think it is the absence of something like that. Um, I mean, the YouTube stuff is fine. I mean, it's since this since it's like currently the only thing we've really got next best thing to like Doctor Confidential. I think it's fine, but it's not the same thing, really, because it's like I say, it's not as in-depth. It's not really. And also, I think it helps to kind of. It helps when you when you're watching stuff like that to really get to know the cast and the crew mm. a lot more mm. um like you felt with Doctor Confidential mm. a real sense of who the cast and crew were like you even though you're watching them like on a tv screen or dvd or whatever you almost got to actually know them as people whereas as with the past few series certainly um there just hasn't been that same kind of level of um in-depth behind the scenes kind of stuff and getting to know the cast and crew because I never really felt like 
whenever Jodie Whittaker or Chris Chibnall have done interviews or whatever for mm. San Diego Comic-Con panels or whatever it may be, I've never really felt the same kind of, like, you can tell what kind of person they are, if that makes any sense, compared mm. to um, David Tennant or Rusty Davis or even Chris Freckleston. Um, you know, it's it's a real shame because I think if it, I think it would help a lot, especially with um, the latest series, Doc Two Flux, because that has been a series which I think a lot of people, um, I wouldn't say have got confused by, but perhaps would have liked a more in-depth look at, certainly behind the scenes with, and perhaps maybe actually try and get Chris Chibnall to actually sit down and just explain his whole rationale and way of thinking for this whole series might have benefited it an awful lot. I know yeah. we kind of got that with that short 15 minute YouTube yeah. clip. That was sort um, of it, but not really yeah, but, enough depth to what you'd want, no, I think. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's a real shame, but maybe Rusty Davis might bring it back when he comes back for the 60th. Um, we can only hope. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think obviously people have been recently talking about the fact that, you know, BBC Three's returned to television um, last week. And so that's another, you know, reason to say let's bring back something like Doctor Confidential. And I think just, just looking at Doctor Confidential specifically for a moment, I think, you know, that was a show that was really great and interesting in its earlier years. But I think it kind of reached the point by kind of series five or series six when they had the final couple of series of it with Matt Smith, where there wasn't actually that much more they could say about the making of the program. They kind of covered every single aspect that existed, whether it's, you know, camera, sound, lighting, everything, costume, makeup, the whole lot. They'd done it all. And so that's why you ended up with, you know, those slightly pointless things of Karen Gillan learning to drive and stuff is always the one I remember as the kind of the pinnacle of sure you know let's give a little bit more interest and you know learn a bit about Karen Gillan but also like this is meant to be the making of Doctor Who not Karen Gillan trying to learn to drive so I don't know that that kind of showed it kind of maybe reached his end point by then and I think when it came back with Capaldi and the kind of shorter versions that worked quite well but you know the last series of Doctor Confidential was 2011. It's now 2022. So television production have come on a long way in 11 years. And so actually, I think it would be very, very interesting, particularly, you know, looking to next year, that's 12 years since Confidential last aired, to kind of, you know, whether it's Doctor Confidential, whether it's something else, but some sort of program or feature or something that covers in more depth the behind the scenes of the show, I think would be fascinating because I think this, it has changed enough that, you know, it'd be really interesting to learn more about that. And I feel like when we look at the the Chibnall era, we really know nothing about the production of the program. Like we've never really seen anything from on set. There's even these various, you know, clips they do for YouTube and the ones that go on the DVDs and stuff. Mostly it's just Chris Chibnall or Matt Strevens or Jodie or Mandip you know, sat on a chair kind of explaining the plot or explaining things that happened in an episode rather than actually having a camera and a crew on a documentary crew on the set of the show, filming what's happening, speaking to the crew while they're making it like that. That doesn't seem to really exist. And so I feel like I have so little understanding of the making of this series. And I think particularly with with Doctor Who Flux, it had been fascinating to see how they made Doctor Who during COVID. Like it would have been a great example to show, you know, the challenges they overcame in making that because it definitely was a big challenge. 
And yet they just didn't see any real value in that. And so I think that's a real shame. And so I'm really hopeful that going forwards that it doesn't have to be, you know, Doctor Who Confidential 45 minutes every single episode. I'm not, I'm not saying that's necessarily that needs to be that format. Just some more substantial behind the scenes coverage, I think, would be really, really interesting. And then could obviously also play into the releases as well. I don't know, Charlie, would you like to see the return of something in the form of Doctor Confidential, whether it be exactly that or not? Um, yeah, absolutely. I didn't watch Doctor Who Confidential at the time or anything, but um, I have seen, you know, clips of it and things like that. And it does look really, really interesting just to, you know, like an additional piece of Doctor Who that's not entirely the actual show, but just something, you know, to yeah. like, just um, as well as like the marketing, as I said, I don't think it's been amazing this era. Um, so mm-hmm. I feel something like that would have at least, you know, alerted more people to it. Um, but yeah, I feel that would have been really good. Um I'm pretty sure, um, like, I think it'll be quite likely that RTD will bring this sort of thing back in some format when he returns. Maybe not necessarily uh, next year for the 60th, but at some point during his RTD 2 era, we will get something like that, hopefully, especially if it regains more popularity. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, we can certainly be optimistic about that and see this this change as kind of an opportunity for something like that to happen um and hopefully that could then influence also the 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 dvd and blu-ray releases of the show as well that we can hope that russell will will push us in the right direction with that i don't know ryan what 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 sort of content would you like would you would you think that with rtd2 he could kind of bring into it would it just be a doctor confidential type program or do you think there's anything else that could be expanded on there i think it's sort of a doctor Confidential-esque sort of program would be really nice. I wouldn't mind um, doing something akin to maybe the Matthew Sweet interview, mm. something akin to that, interview yeah. Russell and the new Doctor, maybe get more in-depth. and Because I do think, after considering the fact that with the Chibnall era, we've had so little marketing, publicity, really getting yeah. into the behind-the-scenes stuff, I think we could definitely have something more in-depth this time around with Russell coming back. I mean, that's why I'm hoping that in 10, 15 years' time, whenever they do the Chibnall, Jodie Whittaker releases for the collection Blu-ray range, if that's if they ever decide to do that, <laughs> it'd be good to have something a more in-depth thing like we've had with Colin Baker talking about the trials mm-hmm. and tribulations of his year, something by that with the Jodie Whittaker era, particularly mm-hmm. with Flux, considering mm-hmm. that got altered so drastically yeah. because of COVID, because it was meant to be something like nine, eight, so that amount of episodes, but then it, yeah. just that number count kept dropping and dropping mm-hmm. all because of COVID. And, yeah. and, I, and the fact that there were like two production blocks and the last half was for, for episodes, shooting episodes three, five and six, you could definitely tell that with that la- those episodes, they did feel like there was a lot of rushing, a lot of trying to get things wrapped up and done quickly, mm-hmm. like a haphazard way. And so it'd be really... In- um, I won't be surprised if they explained, like, yeah, that's really what happened. We had to rush everything because of COVID and everything. Yeah. We didn't realise the impact. Is. So more in-depth stuff like that will be much appreciated hopefully russell can bring that back with um uh these blu-ray releases and what i'm also hoping is something that they did i think they did do for series two and five which was have these 
video commentaries instead of audio. Oh, yeah. There's like picture commentaries, yeah. and I hope they bring that back mm. for the for the races because I think that will be much more appreciated and something a bit more different than the standard audio commentaries that we used to. Yeah, exactly. It, it'd just be a way to kind of enhance that. I do remember particularly enjoying the Series 5 ones. And I think I cannot remember which one on Series 5 it is, but there's a really interesting um, clip in one of the audio commentaries where Stephen Moffat basically describes what becomes the scene of the Doctor in Heaven Sent inside his mind, sort of mind palace type thing um, in the TARDIS, the TARDIS sort of storm room as he's jumping off the um, top of the building. Like, I think he basically describes exactly that is, and I saw someone synced it up with the clip and something. It's really, really interesting. So it's those sort of gems, you know, when you get those commentaries of the episodes just after they've happened, you can get those kind of gems in it that are then stuff that happens because they're just theorising about stuff they might do in the future. I think that's absolutely fascinating. Yes, Ryan, go for it. Oh, uh, with the, I remember with the victory of the Daleks, or they did something like that for victory of the Daleks, mm. and they do speak quite candidly about the fact that the new designs of the Daleks and that story were yeah. very controversial. And Nick Briggs even said, almost universally hated, I think, would also be like that. And they said, well, they said, Kit, and Mark was like, but kids loved them, so and that's all that matters. And he, he expl- and Mark even gets a bit candid himself. He says, they were yeah. everything I wanted to be, except the hump. The hump, I, yeah. they said he didn't like. He says, what I want the eternal Dalek to do is to eternally remove the humps off the Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe they wouldn't have been changed mm. if they hadn't changed everything after episode one with the 11th hour. Yeah. Said maybe we wouldn't have been in this position, and so mm-hmm. they do speak quite a bit, a little bit candidly in that one, which are, which is very fascinating. And I want, hope they do something quite similar with that, with with these new releases, or maybe the collection range where they look back on these modern mm-hmm. Doctor episodes. They do something like that. It, yeah. I think it'd be more fascinating. Yeah, exactly. I I think that you know we're. Pr- we can be hope. I think we can be hopeful for a little bit more content when it comes to RCD two in terms of the DVD and Blu-ray releases of the show, where you know we might get a little bit more behind-the-scenes content, maybe an interview with Russell, stuff like that. I don't think we're ever going to get anything approaching the level of the collection range, simply because that's not really the function of the product. It's much more about being a marketing tool than uh, being a real you know collector's item that covers the you know, in depth of that series of the show. That's that's not quite what it's about in the same way. But and and I think that that you know that's fully understandable. But I also think that there's a lot that can be covered in the future with a, a, a collection re- release for any of these series. So we may as well come on and, and chat a little bit more about our sort of wish list, almost as it were, um, of what we would like to see. Uh, any really, we're just sort of focusing on any any sort of features we would like to see that would be inc- incorporated into any future collection releases for um, the the new for new hoop because. I think quite fundamentally, there's been so many production problems that we only have heard vague whispers about over the years that could be so much more interestingly explored across many making of documentaries and and akin to the classic series. You know, all the way back to series one, that sounds like it was just a disaster in terms of production where everybody hated each other and it was just awful. You know, like I think there were some serious issues there. Unfortunately, I think the fact that Russell has come back and and seemingly most of his team from 2005 um, means that we probably won't see a release like that for a while because he's not going to come and say, yeah, it was an absolute disaster making series one when he's currently making the show. That's not going to happen. So, you know, we might have to wait a while for that. But, you know, that series, a series one documentary would be fascinating, I think. And then, you know, you look at the the, the problems. I think it was, um, who who was it who left in the Matt Smith era? What was the name of the, pro- one of the producers just kind of seemingly left rather suddenly during the, the um, in Matt Smith's era? I can't actually remember who it was. Um, but I do remember reading, 
Yeah, that was, yes, yes, it was her, wasn't it? I, she had some sort of falling out or disagreement with Stephen Moffat, I think. And she just kind of quickly just left and never really, we never really heard quite why any of that happened. And then obviously we've got, you know, the Lost Series 13 most recently, um, you know, like with the Lost Season 23 back on the Trial of the Time Lord box set. It's kind of the same scenario here as well. where we've, we've probably got, you know, five or six stories that never made it to the screen that were completely what they planned to do. So... I think it's fascinating. I mean, Bill, what you know, if there are one or two features that you'd particularly like to see on, on any of the, the, the releases of the of New Who, whether it be for Series 1 or whatever, what is there anything in particular you'd like to, to see at some point in the future if we do get around to those releases? Yeah, so um, a lot of what you just said, I'd be very interested to see. Yeah, I mean, um, I think obviously this would depend on how um, Chris Feckston himself would feel about this. Um, because I know um, what happened for him behind the scenes and everything. I couldn't stand from a personal perspective. It's not something that he really ne- might necessarily want to really fully talk about. But if he ever felt like he could, then I would love to hear his side of what it was like mm. exactly. Um, and just, yeah, just a candid interview about his time on the show would be really interesting i think um absolutely and i don't know just just anything i mean like you say the lost series 13 stuff i think would be really interesting see how far they got with that original series before covid happened and they had to restructure it into what became flux and everything yeah um i just think yeah i just think there's so much potential that they could do and i think they will do stuff like this one day i think it's just yeah. Um it it will obviously probably be quite a few years down the line, like you say, mm. uh, especially when it comes to the Rusty Davis stuff. Um but yeah, I think I think we will eventually get something like that. Cause I, I think the collection box sets will probably um go into the new series eventually. Um, I'm not sure if it's been officially like said whether they actually would yet, but um yeah, I think they probably will one day. They probably will dive into new yeah. series. And yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to that, yeah. Mm, absolutely. I mean, I know, yeah, as you say, there's been no official word saying, you know, we're going to make new collection boxes in the future. But I know Chris Chapman, one of the main documentary producers for the collection range, has certainly talked about his desire to um, make releases for new who in the future. If, if the opportunity ever came, he'd jump on it and want to be completely involved with that. And I think he his his main idea he pitched was a sort of three hour making of documentary for series one, which I think would be absolutely fascinating. Um, you know, because it's sort of the thing with with new who because almost because there's so many episodes and they're all a bit shorter. I don't think trying to do a making off for every single episode would necessarily work. You know, particularly, you know, say, say series one, that's 13 new making of documentaries like that. As great as it would be, they do not have the budget and the the time to be able to put 13 separate making of documentaries together. So I think it's much more likely to be, you know, maybe a couple of individual ones, say for like, I don't know, Bad Wolf and Passing the Ways or for Rose or for something. But more fundamentally to have much longer two or three hour, you know, or two part long documentaries that cover the series as a whole. I think that'd be the best way to try and try and cover that. I don't know. Is there anything you'd particularly like to see, Charlie? Um, yeah, I know you mentioned a um, an interview with Chibnall. I think definitely like in the future, we're talking like at least 2030 or something like, you know, when you know, the Whitaker era is being released on the collection range if they ever do. Um, I think it would be really interesting to have a proper 
you know, one, maybe two hour documentary interview with Chris Chibnall, basically addressing, you know, the fact that overall, while many do like it and find it more mixed, the era has not been very well liked. I feel that would be really interesting because we've obviously Chibnall has said he doesn't really read reviews and he's never really addressed the fact that people don't really like it very much as like generally. So I think it'd be quite interesting, you know, in the future, um, you know, in maybe 10 years or so to have just a proper definitive interview, him addressing what his vision was and maybe why he thought it didn't, you know, it wasn't overly popular. I think that'd be really interesting. And um, as well, I know, obviously you both said that, but um, the Lost Series 13, I think, yeah, that would be really interesting as well. And maybe, I don't know, just doc, just individual documentaries for like the most loved episodes, like um, Blink, Heaven Sent, World Enough and Time, Doctor Falls. I think individual documentaries for them would be brilliant as well. And if they ever do um, Behind the Sofa for New Who, I think... Well, as much as I like them mixing, um, you know, like um, doctors, companions and producers um, between sofas, so it's not just completely like segregated, I feel it would be really, really uh, just awesome just for one season, maybe, or even just Day of the Doctor to have like David Tennant, Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi, maybe just on one sofa. Mm. I think that'd be brilliant, too. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really hope that, you know, if Behind the Sofa does continue to be a thing when we get to the new Who, that, you know, we we get the the new doctors involved in it and have you know um peter and and jenna watching you know like a series two episode with um you know 10 rows or something and just have those doctor and companions together watching different eras of the show maybe i think that could be really really interesting um and yeah i mean, I mean the on behind the sofa would be just yeah. set out yeah. content right there just oh yeah. Him involved. yeah i mean quite frankly i really hope they get him on the classic series behind the sofa at some point like i'm surprised they haven't been maybe they have just haven't chosen to haven't been able to get you know sure not probably you wouldn't really you wouldn't get chris and you probably wouldn't get matt but maybe surely david david tennant or peter would be interested in coming and watching some classic who you know, on on, on for a, for a Blu-ray release, surely that'd just be a bit of fun. I mean, maybe David's too busy with work, but let's get let's get Peter on. Let's get him on watching, you know, series season one or something, and then he can come and watch series one as well in the future. Then that'd be really really fun. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that'd be a really nice way to go with it with the um uh, behind the sofa features. But uh, Ryan, what sort of stuff would you like to see from the future New Who collection releases? Um, pretty much everything what you guys said. I mean, it'd be great to have more in-depth um uh, documentaries as i mean especially considering that doctor flux has pretty much become the trial of a time lord of modern doctor who it'd be <laughs> interesting to hear about the lost series 13 because i do know that ed heim yeah. who wrote it takes you away and the infamous orphan 55 <laughs> um was 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 supposed to have done an episode of series 13. He, I think he announced himself like he was doing the next series. Yeah. Apparently he did have an episode all ready to go, but it didn't happen because, well, with COVID and everything, everything had to be yeah. completely restructured. So it'd be great to have like a sort of a writer's room sort of mm. um, like documentary discussing the lost series 13 with all the different writers, including Ed Heim, what it would have been. And um, frankly, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Big Finish does get the license to do Jodie Whittaker stories, that they might use the lost scripts yeah. for um, 
um, series 13 and adapt them into big Finnish audio dramas. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that in the near future. Hopefully if they big Finnish gets the licensing deal done sooner rather than later. Yeah, exactly. You certainly assume once the Jody year is over that you know Big Finish will be as quick as possible looking to get in on it. Um, and then, yeah, it would be pretty an obvious choice to come and let's do the lost episodes of Series Thirteen, you know, because it's you know recent and current, and and I think that that could be quite interesting. And I certainly would like to hear some of those and see what what sort of ideas there were. But then, as you say, I think a writer's room feature for something like that could be really interesting. Um, and frankly, you could do it for I think a writer's room feature could work for pretty much any series of New Who. You know, you could go all the way back to Series One. You could get RTD and Stephen Moffat in together, Robert Shearman as Rob Shearman and Paul Cornell. You know, get get all these these great writers together. To just chat about you know that that series of the show and and their approaches their their ideas and stuff and how that all came together i think that that sort of feature would you know be just as interesting and i think you know in some ways we probably want them to almost not wait too long to do it because not in a crass way you know we some of the other people from the early series you know might not be around if they wait too long to do it and obviously that's the difficulty we now have for the classic series collection range with with the early stuff from, from sort of heartland and trials since there's so few people around to talk about it whereas you know currently we've got so many people available to come and talk about rtd and moffat era and whatever we sort of don't want to lose out on that i think so i hope that you know they don't leave it too long before tackling some of these different sorts of features um you know i think there could there'd also be lots of opportunity for interesting sort of location pieces as well you know there's obviously so so much more locations that doctor was covered um over the years you know some of those like do i think in on the season eight classic collection range there was the direct route where they visited various locations from season eight um with the directors from the series i think a feature like that from from various new who series could be really really interesting as well i mean sure just ship them out to cardiff and they can just wander around and probably find about 15 different locations but um you know it's low budget you can just wander around cardiff and it will be fine um but I, I i know i feel like a feature like that could could be absolutely fascinating um you know but i also i also think that probably one of the the biggest things would be just whether a lot of the people involved are willing to talk openly and candidly about the program that they worked on because you know we've been very lucky in many ways that the majority of people who works on the classic series are now pretty happy to come out and say sure you know tom baker was an absolute knob that day like you know and you know just and you know i hated john nathan turner with a passion and and you know they're willing to say these things where you know they they wouldn't have 20 years ago and so i'm just hopeful that you know the big players obviously rtd moffat and chibnall and you know eccleston and tennant and the likes as much as sure i'm sure a lot of them had a great time a lot of the time working on doctor who but you know it wasn't great all the time we, we know that i just hope that they'd be willing to come out and say that and you, it, it, it'd almost be like there wouldn't really be a point in putting things like this together unless they're willing to do that because it's just not going to be an interesting feature if they're not actually willing to give us any information about what really happened um on production of all these different series because i'm sure there's interesting stories to tell i'm just i don't know i'm not quite sure um yeah it would really live or die on on that that idea i think so yeah i mean what what people would we most like to see interviewed you know sort of the um on the collection range you know obviously matthew sweet's been doing these interviews with different people i mean we've got crazily michael grade on the latest one coming up in season 22 which i think is great um but i don't know charlie is there, if there's one per one or two people you could specifically pick who you'd like to see interviewed who would they be um it's probably unlikely now especially but christopher eccleston yeah. he's I the obvious really choice yeah. yeah yeah and um probably capaldi just because mm -hmm. he's mm -hmm. capaldi <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's fair enough. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I think, yeah, Chris would probably have the most interesting things to say about the show. Um, and, you know, it'd just be, it'd be good to learn that much more about why he left so quickly, why things went the way they did back in series one, you know, why for 10 years he wanted to have nothing to do with the show 
which you know essentially what it was i think that'll be really interesting to to learn a little bit more about that and, and exactly what that's all about um so i think you know it's been an interesting to to chat about um you know what we would like to see from the future in terms of new who releases and also the the struggles and the problems of it um i don't know i, I i'm just really hopeful that you know firstly the new who releases we currently get just become a little bit better value for money like I, I'm happy to fork out 35 or 40 quid or whatever for it, you know, if it's worth it. Like, just just do that little bit more. Give us give us a little bit extra, more audio commentaries, a few more video diaries, a few more behind the scenes stuff. It doesn't it doesn't need loads. Just a bit more to make it worthwhile me buying it to put it up on the shelf. Unfortunately, I'm hooked on the steelbooks. I don't know if anybody else is. So I feel like I've got to buy the Flux steelbook because I do actually have even the infamous Series 9 steelbook. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else here own the Series 9 steelbook? I'm afraid I haven't bought any of the modern up to steelbooks, I'm afraid. I'm, part of me wishes I did, but then, again, if they are going to do collection, the collection treatment for modern up to, and that is if they ever decide to do them, maybe yeah. part of me is like, well, maybe I didn't buy them because maybe they'll do that eventually. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that I think the steelbooks will kind of become a bit redundant if they do do collection releases because they will be better in every way. Like the steelbook releases are a bit messy anyway. You know, they they the the first four series are the wrong speed. They're they're four percent slower because they've been converted when being upscaled and stuff. It's, it it most of the releases have something wrong with them in terms of the episodes and stuff. It's it's really not great. Um, yeah, but, Doctor had that as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. and the Doctor that had run at a bit of a lower speed, and yeah. even on the 50th anniversary collection, it was the same problem. Yeah. So if, if you got in touch with the department that made the blu-rays or the d or the blu-rays they would actually send you a replacement copy with the proper corrected version which is what yeah. i had to do i had to contact them and like get me the correct version of this and they did ship it out and so i got the correct version of day of the doctor for free so happy days happy days i mean yeah i'm pretty sure i still have the incorrect version on the um i mean i'm not sure if the steel book i haven't actually had a look whether this the 50th anniversary steel book whether that's they've corrected it or not because i know the last time i watched it was like an hour and 19 minutes and i'm like this episode is not an hour and 19 i'm pretty sure it's like an hour and 16 so that that was not ideal there but um i don't know charlie i mean gee have you got any of the steel books is that something you delve into at all not particularly to be honest um like i i don't like to spend as much on the um new series anyway yeah. i do prefer classic doctor who i'd rather get the collection range mm. um i just consider getting them and then i looked at you know like the prices of especially the series one steel book now and i thought mm, if they are doing collection releases even if it is in like 10 years time i do think i'd rather just get those and i wasn't actually aware of how messy they are like the slow speed and everything but yeah, yeah i'd rather wait for the collection range yeah i mean i think the, the thing we can be assured of is that if and when the collection team do do it they will make sure the episodes are running and playing how they were supposed to be in the first place you know the restoration team will sort them out we'll probably get better upscales of the first four series from standard definition i mean they're not bad at the moment but you know they could probably be done better um and i imagine you know any of the sort of slowdown issues or anything like that um i think some of the episodes don't have the next time trailers i think series five doesn't have the next time trailers or something you know there's an issue there so it's, it's just you know poor laziness 
craziness inconsistencies that just haven't really been corrected i guess there isn't money to do it i don't know um and yeah as you say charlie i think um the series nine steelbook i'm pretty sure goes for about 400 quid on ebay now so i'm i'm quite liking my um i should i'm really really guessing not buying two of those when i'm back in the day um because i would be in the money right now and i think series one's about 150 quid or 200 quid or something it's absolutely mad what people will pay for these things um yeah uh, yeah it's uh, i mean i like at least you know when i look up at my shelf where there's the series one to 12 steelbooks um i i at least can go they're worth more than i spent on them as much as i spent too much money on them they are worth more now um if i ever were to sell them but i don't particularly want to do that because they look really cool um i don't know bill oh sorry ryan go for it oh just very quickly um i was tempted even though i didn't get the steel box i was tempted to get series one to four on blu-ray mm. but that was way back around the time of the 50th anniversary because yeah. they did like a big box set of that yeah, was, they did, but what i heard because but what i heard that um that they were showing the, the wrong speeds and everything and i was just like i'm not paying all this much just to um get something that isn't really that properly mastered up um mm. in terms of quality and that's correct has the wrong um, speed, yeah. playback speed. So I decided, well, you know what? I'm not going to waste money on it. And I cancelled the order straight away. And I'm just like, I'd rather get a proper remastering of this. And hopefully the people who do the collection range will do that, fingers crossed. But that is if they ever decide to do Modern Doctor, we shall see. Well, indeed, yes. I think for now, we're just going to have to wait and see as to where um, the Doctor releases take us. Hope We can hope that with RTD2, we might get slightly more content um, I mean, you know, with, with the latest Chris Chibnall episode, um, Eve of the Daleks, that wasn't even included with the Doctor Who Flux um, or Doctor Who Series 13 release, which is a bit of a shame. I'm guessing they're going to do a specials release, presumably with Eve of the Daleks, um, Legend of the Sea Devils and the Centenary special. I would love some extra content from behind the scenes on Jodie's last episode. You know, let's get some behind the scenes of her regeneration story. It's what we really want. But whether we get it, who knows? Um, but I, I at least hold out a vague, a vague hope, a faint hope that in 10 or 15 years time, I may well be holding a Doctor Who Series 1 collection box set with making documentaries galore, interviews with Christopher Eccleston and RTD and, and all that glory. We can we can hope, we can dream for the future of it. Um, but yeah, that's that's just about it for our discussion on New Who um, releases, box sets, DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, Bill, I wanted to talk a bit about just what we've been watching recently, whether it's episodes, whether it's documentaries or features of Doctor Who. What What's the latest things you've been watching in terms of Doctor Who content? Yes, so I believe, I think the latest thing I've watched to do with Doctor Who has been the Sojourn Adventures, like going all the way from the very start to the very end. And yeah, it was just really good and really fun to just revisit that because, um, because obviously I've said this before, like growing up during the RTD era, um, the Sojourn Adventures... I think partly helped me to get into Doctor Who as well. And also, especially into the classic series, it helped me to um, go out and seek, you know, more of uh, Sarah Jane's original stories mm. with John Pertwee and Tom Baker and everything. Um, so I've always, it was always a massive part of my childhood and to just yeah. be able to revisit that was just really, really nice. And yeah, just every time that last episode comes up, I always think, oh, it's a shame that uh, sadly Elizabeth Sladen passed away when she did, because I've read about like what they plan to do Mm. um, 
like I think they wanted to get Alexander Armstrong in properly to like have Mr. Smith as a human oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, that would be yeah. really interesting. Um, and then they were going to do a massive, like big battle of Bannerman Road, I think it was mm-hmm. going to be called of the tricks mm-hmm. and stuff. And that would have been really, really good to see. Um, and I think they also planned on getting Ace back and just all these ideas. You just think, oh, yeah. it's so annoying that we never got to see that. Um, and I would have loved to have seen more of her, more of uh, Sarah Jane with, um, you know, the, the doctors. Like, I'm, um, I think it's a shame that we couldn't get. It's even more of a shame we didn't get her with like Capaldi or Jodie mm-hmm. or something like that. Because again, I think that would have been really nice to see. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much the most recent thing that I've watched mm-hmm. to do with Doctor Who. And I think before that, it may have been some stuff to do with the season 17 box set, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes, yeah. Do you um, have a do you have a favourite episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, having watched it all recently? Ooh. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I think, like, for me, um, I think the periods that I remember the most as, like, mm-hmm. a child, yeah, the bit that I got into it the most was, I think, like, series three, series four kind of okay. time. Yeah. Um, so I remember I think those two series probably the most mm. fondly um, because uh, yeah I just really enjoyed them and even now just watching them after so many years is still really really enjoyed them and even though they were made in the 2000s I think you know and especially the first episode Invasion of the Bane feels very 2000s mm. um, <laughs> yes with the whole <laughs> the CGI yes thing. Yeah. and the CGI yes yeah yeah um, <laughs> But you know, you can still get a sense yeah. out of enjoyment out of it, Absolutely. even if it's kind of thinking this is a bit absurd, but mm. it's it's still fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I I, I love the Sarah Jane Adventures personally. I mean, I haven't watched it for probably five years, maybe. I last rewatched the whole thing, um, and you know, on rewatch, I thought it was I, as much as you know, yeah, sure, it's meant for children, but I still think there's a lot of interesting ideas and concepts in there, and also some you know very grown up episodes in many ways. You look at the the final series, the um the Curse of Clyde Langer episode. I think that's always one of my favorites. You know, we we see Clyde essentially homeless. I think at one point in the story, don't we? And it it really it, it's a really hard hitting episode where. And, and you know it showed that even as a children's show Sarah Jane Adventures could still pack that sort of emotional punch I think and really deal with some you know important issues I don't know Ryan Charlie have you got any favourite episodes of the Sarah Jane Adventures oh uh, I th- the Curse of Clyde Langer was really good I also really liked the um, I think it was called The the Temptation of Sarah Jane Smith from Series 2 mm. where she oh, tries yeah. to um, save her parents but ends up creating oh, yes. like this alternate reality and yeah i thought that was really good and mm. also the wedding of sarah jane smith was also really good but basically all the trickster episodes were really good mm-hmm. um and it was great to have like david Tennant that be there to actually confront the trickster himself mm. was really good and apparently the brigadier was meant to be in that episode and it's a real shame because it would have been such a joy to have yeah. Nicholas Courtney run around with David Tennant and confronting the tricks. It would have been so good. And yeah. and also, funnily enough, I guarantee, had Elizabeth Sladen still been around, she would have no doubt be joining Clara as a companion in Day of the Doctor. Oh, yeah, 100%. Would have been, I think she would have been, both her and Clara would have been the companions of that story. Yeah. And, and her, I think she might have been 
the one giving the ultimate speech to the doctor about mm. sacking him out with a time. I think that would have fallen to Sarah Jane more than Clara. Yeah. I guarantee that I think that would have happened. Yeah, and I think I would have loved to have seen that. I think it would have been so great to have her involved in such an important part of the show. Um, it's such a shame she just wasn't able to be there for it. Um, I mean, Charlie, do you have any favourite episodes? Um, I, I've only actually watched the first season of Sarah okay. Jane Adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a while, but I did remember one. Um, whatever happened to Sarah Jane? That's what I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, um, this other reality where there was like another girl who she who like died or something but this yeah. time she survived and sarah jane died it was yeah. yeah i can't remember much about it but i do remember really enjoying that i'll have to go back and rewatch mm-hmm. that yeah i think all the, i think the trickster is is a brilliant villain i think all the stories with the trickster in through the Sarah Jane adventures are just great and i'm, I'm quite you know i think it's quite a surprise that the trickster's never been picked up on in the show again i guess it's because it was more of a russell creation but you know maybe rtd2 could be the opportunity to bring the trickster back in some some greater form um that's what i'd like to see but i don't know i don't know i think it'd be quite interesting um but ryan what have you been watching recently oh well well i've only been watching like a, a couple of stories i mean yeah. my niece imogen actually mm-hmm. what she heard about the Weeping Angels and she wanted okay. to try out the Weeping Angels, even though she's only like nearly four years old. Oh, she gosh. wanted to watch the Weeping Angels mm-hmm. and she watched Village of the Angels and she didn't okay. seem scared at all or face. She was actually really hooked into wow. it. Surprisingly enough, she, I think the Weeping Angels are her favorite monsters because she's always asking me about Weeping Angels. She wants to watch a Weeping Angel story and it's always Village of the Angels. Mm-hmm. And so she's watched that. And yeah, she seemed, she was hooked from it from the word go and everything. And so mm-hmm. there was that. And she did watch one classic Doctor. It was um, the infamous season 17 story, Creature from the Pit. She watched that. Oh, it still gets a mention. Still, we can't escape her, Arto, can we? <laughs> And she she saw that infamous monster and she called it by a different name. And I don't know. If, oh, my God. I don't know if I can say this. Um, um, she she and I, When she said this, I could not stop laughing. She called it a Rudy Doody monster. And I Love just, it. That, Love it. I think that's, that's yep. brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and yeah. now every time I watch it, I can't stop thinking about it. But yeah. I think it's great. It's it's been really good seeing my my niece getting involved into Doctor Who, and mm. she knows the Doctors as well. She recognises oh, wow. them. She, I think, she likes um Tom Baker's Doctor the most. Okay. I okay. think, I think she, I think, I think, I think it's because it's the one she's watched, she's seen of the mm. most. Yeah. I think the most recognisable doctor yeah. to her. So it's it's great seeing her like experience the show that way, even though it's out of order, it's great to see her kind of pick up mm. on the show and know who the doctor is. And it'd be interesting to see her journey with it as she gets older. It, it'll be yeah. very interesting. To yeah, me. absolutely. Absolutely. It's always good to bring new young people to Doctor Who. Clearly the show needs it at the moment. So um, anything <laughs> that we can do is always good. Um, and I, I I don't think we will ever have another edition of Kavan without mentioning Creature from the Pit or Irato. I think that's 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 impossible now. We said last episode would be the last time, but here we are. Um, I'm sure somebody will go back through and tell us. 
tell us how many episodes of, of Kavam we've mentioned either Creature from the Pit, Erato, or, or something of that ilk. There must be like at least six of them by now. Um, but there, there we go. There's no escaping from it. Yeah, yeah, we can never escape that monster. Charlie, what have you been watching? Save us from Erato. What have you been watching? Um, I can't really promise you I've been, uh, I can't really promise you this is much of a save, but um, <laughs> I've been watching through the Whitaker era in preparation for the okay. 17-year special Legend okay. of the Sea Devils. Um, Arachnids in the UK. Oh, right, it's, it's just getting better, this podcast, isn't it? Wow, we're talking about all the yeah. all the absolute bangers of the show, aren't we? Wow. Um, yeah. Um, did, did you get any enjoyment out of it? Um, maybe. Um, not much. It's um, like... I don't hate series 11 as much as some, like there are some episodes I do genuinely like, like uh, It Takes You Away and Kablam. Mm -hmm. I both both like those, but um, yeah, this is not good at all. It's like a rip off Donald Trump. We've got Ryan blasting his music to you know, lure the spiders away. Yeah, (laughs) Stormzy indeed, yes. Yeah, and uh, like I'm fine with having environmental messages and that sort of stuff, but it was very, like very literal and obvious here. Yeah, I, I, I guess there is a sort of horror element when I think I think it's like Yaz and she's going to like this person's apartment and well, you know the flat and there's like the people covered in spiderwebs. I guess that's kind of like a sort of a horror element there, but yeah, this is definitely probably my least favorite of the season. It's pretty awful even worse than battle of abscon have colos oh wow yeah it's so far then i mean yeah i don't know i i'm not a fan of that episode i mean even though it does have one hilarious line which is when he um jack says the giant spider smashed up to my bathtub and took out my bodyguard kevin i think that line it just makes me laugh every time um The only enjoyable thing about that story. <laughs> Although it, but, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, the Battle of Ramskor Avkalos always annoys me for some reason. There's something about it that really irks me the wrong way. It just feels like every single thing about it was wrong um, mm-hmm. in terms of... It, and it's a shame because there's some ideas in it that are good, but they're just executed in such a poor way that I feel like it's not just my least favourite series 11 story but also my least favorite modern doctor who story overall it just yeah and although to be honest as you mentioned with series 11 i'm originally i would have said that's the worst modern doctor series but with flux happened series 13 i'm now just like i don't know which is worse anymore i can't decide because series 11 does have some more more better episodes but flux even though i did like one of the sometimes the village of the angels if it's all part of one story if a good chunk of it doesn't work then the whole thing doesn't work mm. it's just like i can't really decide it's it's mm. actually been bothering me more and more like which is i can't really decide which is the worst modern dot two series anymore which i never thought it happened but <laughs> it did somehow <laughs> Yeah, here we are. Here we are trying to work out which is the worst one. I mean, I I think series eleven. You know, it's not a series. I probably would put it as my lowest of new who. I mean, but I also don't fundamentally dislike all of the that many of the episodes. Like, I think Rose is great. I think it takes you away is great. I think Demons of the Punjab is pretty good. Woman fell to earth is pretty good. Kablam's pretty good. 
it's just the few clangers in there. Like, I, I watched most of Series 11 back just before Doctor Flux. I've, you know, a reasonably recent memory of, of the episodes. And I remember just watching them. And they're just kind... A lot of them are just kind of okay episode, bog-standard episodes of Doctor Who. Like, Arachnids in the UK doesn't offend me. It doesn't make me angry. It's just a pretty average episode of Doctor Who with some sort of pretty bad bits in it like you know the Stormzy music and then I guess the Donald Trump ripoff character and and you know there's just elements to it same with Saranga Conundrum again it's not an awful episode of Doctor Who there's nothing that offends me about it it's just really bog standard it's just you know we're, we've, it's a base under sea story with a slightly silly villain in the Pating um, and yeah Battle of the Rams Square Coloss is probably the main one that does is bordering on offensively bad just everything about it is awful um, the fact it's a finale is just depressing because it's so bad and so not a finale to Doctor Who at all um, yeah that that's really bad but as a whole I, I, I do think Series 11 is my least favourite because there's just not really that many great episodes in there and there's not a building storyline in the series at all or anything like that um, but when you sit down and watch individual episodes of it they're not great but they're not like offensively bad. Like I guess some of Doctor Who has been in the past, I think would be my perspective on that. Yeah, I think with Series 11, I think it's ultimate biggest problem is that usually when a new showrunner comes in, they're like, their first series, that makes a big stamp on the show. Like this is what we're doing. Like Series 1, despite many problems behind the scenes with Series 1, it, it the final product, it, it gets away with that because it's, it's such a big relaunch and everything with series one with Eccleston and everything. And then when Moffat came into it with series five, that was also a big change, you know, and that was somehow improved on series one. And it series five is one of the best series of Doctor Who ever. And with series 11, it's like, if you're going to make a big stamp on the, on the show, make your big impact, why would that be the series they choose to make? You could have told a lot of these bog standard stories as novels or comic books or uh, or just an article on TARDIS Wikia if they're that desperate. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. it, that's that was my biggest problem is that a lot of it was so bog standard, it there was no excuse for this being the big relaunch, yeah. so to speak. I mean, I know the excuse was. We need to buy our time before we get to the big stuff, but surely they could have done much better than what we got with Series Eleven. Yeah, I, I think I think for me that will forever be the biggest, probably the biggest failing of the Christianal era was the approach that they took to the first series and the start of the first series because you know okay they didn't know that it was going to happen. But you can look at the viewing figures and go, Doctor Who had a massive audience when Jodie Whittaker took the role on. That first episode got like 11 million people or something watching it. And it was it was all right. You know, Woman Fell to Earth, I don't think is a particularly bad episode of Doctor Who. There's a lot of good stuff in there. There's potential. But then, and you know, it gave, then there's a cliffhanger at the end of it. It gives you a reason to carry on. Sure, you know, we're doing pretty good. But then it just didn't build on anything from there. It sort of television in yeah, i guess it was 2018 then but even television of this this period it needs to almost be more like doctor who flux it needs to give you a reason to keep coming back every week it's got to give you something and 
for some reason, Chris Chibnall thought that the approach was let's do the opposite. Let's make completely disconnected episodes from each other that don't give you any reason to tune in each week. There's barely any reason to even watch the episodes in the order they were shown because there's so little continuity. Okay, maybe up to the first four episodes, there's a little bit of an arc that runs through the episodes of, you know, them eventually reaching the point at the end of Ratness in the UK where the uh, companions decide they want to stay with the Doctor rather than kind of being forced into it for the first three episodes. But then after that, you know, you could really just swap any order with the Saranga Conundrum, Demons of the Punjab, um, Kablam, the Witchfinders. Even it takes you away, really. I guess that's kind of got a bit of grey stuff in it. But, you know, those four episodes, for example, you could watch them in any order and it'd make no difference. And I just think that's a real... It, it just show It just wasn't the right approach to take when you needed... You had an opportunity to capture a massive audience and you didn't take it. And I think that's why things have just declined so badly. I'm not saying throw the timeless child into episode one of the Chippenhall era. I'm not saying that. Just do something more bold and exciting than bog-standard episodes of Doctor Who with no returning monsters just to make it feel fresh. But that didn't work. It just didn't work. Yeah, if it was disconnected to standalone stories, I wouldn't have minded it as much as long as if it was really well yes, done. But the it needed to be really good. A lot of it was so, so yeah. bog-standard, like um, yeah. uh, Conundrum and, yeah. it, and um, Arachnids in the UK and even The Witchfinders yeah. was, wasn't that spectacular and to an extent extent, the ghost monument as well i mean it it was fine but it wasn't all that special and but then of course you get to that end with the battle of ranskor avkolos and it was so shockingly bad it was just like well what was the point of all of that then it just and it and it kind of left me feeling depressed afterwards which i never thought yeah i'd happen with modern doctor but it just let me in this sort of confused depressed state after i'd watched that episode and mm-hmm. yeah and it kind of that was i think that was the point where i was starting to kind of doubt chimno because up until then i was just like no it's all gonna be fine it's gonna be okay but then after battle of rand's course i'm like okay now i am getting worried <laughs> so, yeah. yeah not a great start shall we say <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, I was watching like when I was watching series eleven. I didn't mind it as much. I think I viewed it less critically than I do now. But going into like you know towards the end of it takes you away, which I kind of liked, and I still kind of do. I think it's all right. Um, when they were about to reveal the solid tract, I thought this is going to be like leading into the last episode, isn't yeah. it? It's going to be like yeah. the, the master or a Dalek or a Cyberman or something. And it's a frog. And it was a frog and. I, I just, I was just confused, and I was hoping there'd be something big and epic for the last episode, and yeah. and there just wasn't. I, I was just really disappointed. Frankly, yeah. I kind of pretend that it takes you away was the last episode. I mm. actually pretend that's the last episode. Like it wraps up Graham and Ryan's arc, and he accepts Graham as his granddad. That's the end of the series. Okay, done. Battle of Radskull, Radskull, Class never happened. I, I just try I just try and pretend that resolution is the actual finale to series eleven and mm-hmm. just forget that Battle of Ranscraft Colossus is really there. It takes you away happens. Then there was something, and then resolution was the big exciting <laughs> finale with a Dalek in it. That was great. Um that's the way I look at it. But we would want to see Bradley Walsh shooting a Bluetooth alien man in the foot. Nobody well, really. <laughs> yeah, it's not what we need. It's not what we need. Right. Let me save this podcast before it finishes because the latest episode of Doctor that I watched was the case of Androzani. Now, that's yeah. a better episode of Doctor Who, I hope you like to think. I mean, Bill, is, is, are we saving the podcast here? Is Caves of Andrazani a great episode of Doctor Who? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, much better than, yeah, a lot of the episodes we've just discussed. Um, 
yeah, I've, I think Caves of Androzani, like, has always been regarded as one of the greatest Doctor Who stories. Yeah. And I think, you know, even now, I think it still deserves that, I think. Mm. It's just everything about it just works well. Just everything. Yeah. Just, like, the writing, the acting, the directing, certainly. Uh, just everything just really comes together and really gives Peter Davison the one of the greatest final stories i think for any doctor that we've ever had i think yeah yeah i I don't i can't think of a better regeneration story certainly you know sure i mean this episode this story doesn't feel like until a bit later on into it that it really is a regeneration story i know there's hints at it but it's kind of in episode three where it starts feeling like okay we're really going this way he is going to regenerate at the end of this um and but there's just so many good moments you know the cliffhanger at the end of episode one where we see the doctor and perry just getting killed like that's pretty shocking and exciting and you know sure there's a little hint as to you know it might not all be as it seems and then it's obviously revealed but just moments like that i think are so great and you know peter davison feels like he's acting his heart out in this story i feel like you know i'm, I'm not a particularly a lover of peter davison he's probably he's in the lower echelons of my favorite doctors but I feel like in this story, you can't fault him. He is giving it absolutely everything. He's, you know, and just, just the way the writing brings it to the point, it's such a a classic way for a doctor to go in that sense that he's just doing it to save one person. He's regenerating to save Perry, who he barely even knows. I just think that, you know, to, to write it that way, it really just sums up the doctor as a character and, and just brings in that real you know, heartwarming trait to the character that I think we all we all know and love now and, and, and that the Doctor's willing to do that. I mean, I guess we saw it in with Christopher Eccleston in Rose where he was, you know, he sacrificed himself to save Rose, basically. I'm sure I knew her a bit more by that point. But, you know, that's something that I think I would like to see more of. Maybe we'll see that with Jodie Whittaker as well. But I just feel, yeah, that, that really struck a chord in this story and it makes it such a success, really, I think. Yeah, Case of Androzani is such a phenomenal story. I mean, even though... Peter Davison's maybe my least favourite Doctor. He does get a really good story. And as you say, he does act his heart out in that story. And Robert Holmes's writing yeah. is really on point. It's yeah. one of his best scripts. It's yeah. so dark and visceral, but yet so fascinating. I mean, I feel like Showers Jack is such a fascinating villain, so to say, because... Mm. You understand the tragedy of why he's doing this. And there are times where you just kind of feel like you're on his side and you're like, yeah, he should get his revenge. And yet he's doing, he's wanting to, doesn't mind getting rid of the doctor. He wants to keep paying for himself. And it's just so weird yeah. and bizarre. Yeah. Twisted Phantom of the Opera-esque mm. kind of um, um, character. And, it's, and I do find it really bizarre how it's, it's considered one of the greatest stories ever. And then following that, we have the twin dilemma. I know. One of, if not the absolute worst. I mean, I looked yeah. at the, um, the original Dot 2 magazine's um, 50th anniversary poll that yeah. it did in 2014. And I think Caves of Androzani was like number four or number five on the list. Mm-hmm. It was that high. And the twin dilemma was at the very bottom of the list. It feels like it's so weird how we go yeah. from absolute pinnacle to absolute drivel in yeah. in a nose in just like that it's so amazing I just kind of feel like had maybe Robert Holmes should have wrote Colin Baker's first story maybe he could have helped save 
Um, everything. Yeah, but then, I mean, he wrote, he wrote The Two Doctors and Mysterious Planet, which weren't two of his greatest scripts ever. So, I don't know. Maybe we just forget anything after Caves of Anzani happened for Robert Holmes. I think let's say that was his last good script. And then yeah. Yeah, he wrote a couple of others, but let's not think about those ones. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the way to go with it, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I, I was trying to, you know, they, there's a documentary on it about it discussing basically whether it's the greatest story of all time. And I'm like... It's probably in my like top five. I, you know, I feel like it's really hard. I, I would always say Heaven Sent is my favorite episode ever. And I feel like it's really hard to kind of define your absolute favorite when there's like, you know, 300 story, Doctor Who stories or something ridiculous like that. Like it's so hard to actually pick that one out. But I really would put Caves of right near the very top. I mean, Charlie, where would you put Caves of Um, I'm just looking through now. I know we discussed this um in the best and worst of who thing we did oh yeah um we've got like spreadsheets with, yeah um, i do have a spreadsheet with a ranking of every single story yeah. yeah um i've got caves of androzani in 11th so okay. it just misses out on the top 10 okay. i think it's really good i gave this like a 95 percent nice. um but i feel it's you know that it's just got some you know very slightly stronger competition like um mm. Heaven Sent, World Enough and Time the Doctor Falls. Yeah. Um, um, hang on, let me think. City of Death and yeah. Ki- you know, Genesis of the Daleks. Mm. Um, what else have I got there? Uh, with the War Games, Frontier in Space, Seeds of Doom. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 It's got some competition, but it's still really good. Like, I feel if someone were to say to me, this character, the Doctor, you know what are they like i would show them the caves of androzani because that is what the doctor is like literally everyone is trying to kill him yet he's still just fighting for his life to save someone he's known for like you know a very short amount of time i feel that just encapsulates his entire character perfectly yeah yeah if i was to kind of put this on like a top 15 i think it might be number 14 or 15 on my list i think in terms of my absolute favorite it will always be either Ark in Space or Genesis of the Daleks, mm. because they were my very first Doctor Who stories ever. They were the ones that, that they, was, they were basically my gateway into Doctor Who, and they're such classic stories that I always put them at like a joint ranking at number one because both Ark in Space and Genesis were just so damn good. And then Heaven Sent is a close second. And yeah. with, with World Enough and Time, the Doctor Falls and Twice Upon a Time, I count that as among it as like an end trilogy for... Capaldi, I think that might be my favourite farewell for a Doctor ever, that end trilogy with Capaldi, uh, because it was such a heartfelt mm. finale. And But Case of Androzani does a really good job. It does almost kind of feel like a precursor to that, in a sense, because of the fact that they're dying against such impossible odds, and yeah. yet they're going to still going to do what they have to do to make the best out of the worst situation possible. I feel like, I feel like that's what an end to a doctor should be. Mm. And I feel like case of Andrzejewski did that. Um, uh, World enough for time, the doctor falls and twice upon yeah. a time did that. Even the war games did that. Mm. I mean, even though he stopped them, he ended he had to sacrifice himself to the time Lords, his freedom basically. And, and I hope we get something like that with, Whittaker, but uh, hope. But even then, I'm still haven't got my hopes that high for that because <laughs> Indeed, all that yes. build up to it. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'm, I'm hoping yeah. I at least enjoy 
her last episode. I, I am hoping. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what we can hope, that it will be a good episode, but we will have to see. And well, that just about brings us to the end of another episode of Kavam. Thank you all for listening, for joining us. You can check us out on Twitter at KavamPod, and we're also on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello, you can see us in vision for the third time i think i can't remember how we've done now um but yeah we will be back in a couple of weeks or so's time to um i don't actually know what we're going to discuss um wait and see it's going to be a surprise whatever we have a chat about um i also should probably mention of course releases coming up this year there's not a lot currently there's season 22 which is going to be in probably the 14th of march i don't think they've actually announced the date yet but it's probably the 14th of march and then we also know we've got the abominable snowman animation coming in the summer or something like that again they don't like to tell us release dates anymore maybe it's because they always miss the deadlines i don't know but they don't like to tell us release dates so we're just guessing um but those are the two releases confirmed for later in this year and you know i'm sure there'll be another collection box set or two coming this year even if there aren't any more animations to look forward to but that is just about it for another edition of kavam and we will all see you again very soon my thanks to ryan to charlie and to bill and we'll see you again for a brand new edition of kavam very soon but until then it's goodbye